Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. You know, a wise sage named Kasha once and famously crowned that love itself can be a drug capable of igniting addiction and a sick obsession. Scientists believe the same. In a recent review of studies of the neurochemical elements of love and addiction, University of Oxford researchers concluded that love can be diagnosed as an actual addiction. And one day they wrote, it will be treated like science just like every other substance humans crave when they get addicted, like cocaine or powerful pain relievers. Like the lyrics from one of Rihanna's popular songs, and I run for the miles just to get a taste, must be love on the brain. So sit back, relax, and open up your heart, soul, and brain, as my guest today will help you unpack what exactly is the true essence of the meaning of love. <laughs> well, let's calm down and gather <laughs> so I can properly introduce Dr. Rael Sims. He's better known as a relationship scientist who is a cognitive neural psychologist, behavioralist, motivational speaker, and the leading authority on the neuroscience of relationships worldwide a licensed and certified counselor, relationship coach, marriage facilitator, body language expert, and sex expert. <laughs> Rael's passion is analyzing the neuroscience of love by dissecting why we do what we do from an eco, bio, psycho, social, spiritual <laughs> point of view. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rael Sims. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. That was great. <laughs> Well, you know, um, Dr. Raya, whether it is in movies, music, or personal stories close to many of our listeners and viewers, falling in love can be intoxicating, while on the other hand, having your heart broken can be traumatizing for so many, with so many, with difficulty concentrating, focusing, sleeping, eating, among many of the effects. So Dr. Raya, can you help us first understand what is happening in a person's brain as a result of a relationship breakup? Well, actually pain, pain first is really happening. And withdrawal is also going on in our brain. Um, there's a certain area, the interior um, singular cortex, uh, the ACC in our brain, uh, that area is responsible for pain, right? And it's responsible for physical pain, but it's also responsible for emotional pain too as well. So when we're yearning for and, and, and experiencing grief from losing someone, that same brain region is also activated. So we're feeling pain, you know? So um, there was an argument about whether it's just the brain that's broke or is it the heart, but it's actually both. You know, we're going through this. It's no different than losing someone, right? 
the body is going to respond the exact same way because we have, you have to think about that person is actually part of our neurons in our brain. And when that person is gone or that person is no longer activating the brain, our body goes through a panic because we're like, hey, wait a minute, where's the other part of me, right? Because the other part of me triggers certain drugs that's in our body that, that causes us to become addicted to the person. So when those certain drugs aren't activated, the body starts to yearn for it. And the body also starts to panic because it's wondering where is that person that activates certain drugs in me? That's why when you hear people say we become one, right? Because we do. I mean, part of you become part of my neurons in my brain, right? You become, I become addicted to you because you bring out those certain happy things in me, those certain um, misolimic dopamine, dopaminergic um, uh, uh, pleasure centers, the VTA, the ventral tegmental area, the cardiac nucleus, the nucleus accumbens area. That's our pleasure center. So when that person that's in our life activates that, and then it's no longer being activated, the body starts to go into a panic, like, wow, what's going on? So you said it earlier, you lose sleep, you're not concentrating, right? Our hippocampus uh, shuts down where we store memory, right? But it only thinks about that person, but it doesn't allow us to restore information like when we're trying to do work, right? Because it shuts that down too. Um, like you said, sleep, you can't sleep because you're constantly thinking about where is the person? I want that person. I need that person. You know, so it's no different than actually losing someone too, as well. Um, and our heart. There's something. Let me see. I'm. I'm always. I hope I can say this right. Takasubu cardiomyopathy. And that is. Have you noticed? You remember when someone, a loved one, dies? two weeks later or a month later, the other person died, right? Mm -hmm. That's what that is. And, and it could get just that serious in our biology and in our, uh, in our brain to the fact where we can actually die for grieving for that person and that loss in a relationship. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so um, other things I'm hearing is attachment, it's connection, you know, there's familiarity, it's um, losing and shattering of, of dreams, of the vision of the future. So many things go into that, to that breakup. You know, Dr. Sims, many scientists are still arguing about whether all forms of romantic love can be addictive. I'm wondering what your thoughts on, on that is. Oh, yeah. I mean, all forms of, of relationships can be addictive. You know, we could overdo it, right? We could, um, sometimes we can actually adopt someone else into our relationship as if that was a romantic relationship, right? And we can get addicted to that. So there are some relationships that, you know, because, because we actually need self sometimes. And we can actually get addicted to just our best friend. 
you know, dude, what are you doing today? You know, girl, where are we gonna go? You know, but you need self sometimes, right? So sometimes you can also get addicted. So yeah, absolutely. And I know that argument, but yeah, I think, you know, you can definitely, it's it, in all types of relationships you can become addicted in. So since we're talking about um, romantic love, talk to us a little bit about affairs, right? So when you have that um, secret component that's going on and having to live a double life and split a certain a split a certain life, like many of the couples that I work with that um, are coming out of affairs or that are trying to figure out what to do with affair, to what to do with their current um, situation. You know, it seems like their brain logically says, you know, I know this is not a good idea, but once they get into that, they feel it's hard to to pull out of it, that they'll even describe it as almost being addictive in that sense. And and I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more of um, why that is, why do, why does affairs, you know, they, they, they get into that hot and heavy stage and then they get so it's hard to come out of that, um, especially when one's life potentially can blow up or it's destructive for someone. Yeah, well, you know, well, the same addiction, the same addiction, whether it's an affair or not, those same part of the brain regions um, are still triggered and affected. And one of the reasons why it's sometimes it's kind of difficult to come out is because that person is actually fulfilling this, the needs that the person isn't getting at home. Not that they might leave, but they also, it's, it's, it, it, remember, we want to feel good. That's one of the major things that we seek as human beings. We all have a need to belong, right? And that's important. Every living, breathing creature on the earth all have a need to belong. And we have a need to be loved. And when we're being loved here and not loved here, right? Then we associate not wanting to leave this love. Why? Because we fear coming back here is where we're not going to be happy. It's not going to be happiness. Uh, today, the statistics are showing because of the epidemic, more people are getting divorced now. And, and so what is one of the reasons? One of the reasons is that people are realizing that life is short and they don't want to live unhappy. So they're like, look, I'm just finding reality now that we are here often, we're together, right? We're isolated together. And I'm really realizing I don't like you. I'm really realizing I don't love you and I don't wanna live like this anymore, right? And it's either going to be an affair or I have to leave, right? And and, and yes, sometimes, I mean, we, we talk about when it comes to being difficult of leaving the affair because one just, it, they're having a wonderful time over here. You know, it's like, this is, this is awesome, right? You know, I mean, this person is making me feel like, you know, like a God, you know, whether it's woman or man, right? You know, vice versa. And it's, it, and it's really difficult to leave because you're, all you're thinking is, when my current person, can that person match what I'm experiencing right now, right? And, and sometimes, is that a good thing? Sometimes not because you're over here coping. You're using this person as a coping mechanism as to what you should really do 
as far as getting therapy or making a decision whether you should leave or not. So then whether um, it's an affair or just a toxic relationship in, in general, I tend to think of, you know, even though many people, again, can think logically that this is not good for me, this person is not good for me. Many times people come into therapy and say, you know, I don't see this relationship going anywhere long term. Um, so what is it in your opinion around addicts, so to speak, is kind of what I think of in these terms. It's kind of like that, that term, the, the addict that finds that heroin garage, right? They just want to get that hit and they're going to find the secret stash. They're going to go in the neighborhood where the drugs are, wherever they need to do to get that hit. So they keep going back for more, even though they know it's destructive, even though they know it, it there's consequences, even though they know that um, they can lose their job, whatever the consequences may be. It's just like that heroin. It's got to get that hit. Why is it that they keep going back, even though they know that person is destructive for them? <laughs> I mean, you said it all. I mean, you said it. You said it all. <laughs> but 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 let's talk about some of the drugs, you know, because you said it all. So I can just fill in the blanks as far as the, the drugs that's going in. I mean, and you know what? This also uh, this also uh, we can apply that to why that person never leaves the person that they're having an affair with too as well, um, because, you know, that addiction. What is that addiction? Right. So we're talking about philoethylamine, serotonin, oxytocin, right? Vesopressin. We're talking about all of these type of drugs that trigger the ventrotegmental area, the cardiac nucleus, the nucleus accumbens area. And that is what hooks us, right? That's what, that's what makes us addicted because we yearn. We want the reward again. We want to constantly, you know, get that, high that altered state of consciousness, that euphoria that we experience when we are, and, and again, it's no different. What I'm saying is no different than any other drug addict, right? These are just drugs that God created for us to try to stay together, right? And so there's no different, you know, I mean, even when you take certain drugs, we'll still activate uh, the synapses when it comes to cocaine and, and other drugs, right? So that system still works, but those are natural uh, chemicals. Those are natural drugs that by the laws of nature that was given to us to stay in love, to you know, have each other, to be attracted to each other, uh, to cuddle when we talk about the oxytocin. So just think about that oxytocin and how strong that oxytocin is, right? That bonding chemical. And then you're talking about dopamine, Right. And then you're talking about serotonin, you know, philoethylamine, you know, like the same thing that's in the chocolate while we crave. Right. That reward. Right. So we're talking about all of these drugs that so you get involved with someone else. And next thing you know, that person is releasing all of those drugs again, whether it's woman or man. Right. And she goes out and have an affair. And this guy triggers her oxytocin. Husband doesn't. You know, but this guy triggers the oxytocin, makes her want to bond to him. So now she even thinks I'm in, I'm so in love with you, but then it might be just the chemicals. It might be just the drug, the addiction that you're experiencing. And it's pretty tough. I mean, it's really tough. That's why we yearn and grieve when we have a breakup because it's so, it's so strong. It's so difficult to break up from that person because I mean, it's no different than any other drug addicted person. 
you know, you have to go through that process, uh, the same process. I mean, not the exact same process, but you still got to go through a process to, 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 uh, to, to get over uh, a person when you, uh, you know, to get over a breakup. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say kind of, again, reminds me of when you say that, um, that a fair partner is giving him or her something that their spouse may not be giving them. So it's almost like that hit, they're awoken, they're alive. So many um, of the women or men who I work with, they'll say that they're like, she makes me or he makes me feel alive. I didn't know I had um, this sexual exploration or I didn't, I didn't feel like a man. I don't feel like all these things. So I can see, you know, if someone is awakening parts of you, how that, can be addicting because at that point, if it's been dormant for so long, or you've just been kind of sleepwalking, and now you realize I'm attractive, I'm you know desired, I'm wanted, I feel heard, and as a man, I feel masculine, I feel yes. I'm not getting beat down. So then it gets into this dichotomous nature, and then you know what you know that leads me to ask you to kind of help people who are listening and viewers to break this part down. So. With that being said, that toxic love, those those dynamics that are not healthy, that they're going to have to come out of it some way, right? So they're going to go yeah. through that withdrawal process. But then if we kind of fast forward a little bit, what would be some ways that people who have not experienced healthy love relationships, because I also have a lot of clients and people that I work with that they desire something that they've never had. They want a healthy relationship. They want a partnership. They want to walk in purpose, all of that good stuff. So how can they retrain uh, their brain and learn how to move to this unknown territory and not keep going back to the familiar? I always say it's like that dog that, you know, vomits his food. And then you look a few minutes later and he's eating the vomit, right? So how can we stop people from eating their vomit and to go down that unknown territory so they can get healthy love and all the things yeah, that they I, dream of. I think of. it's really good to have therapy, um, something we call neurofeedback too as well, to recondition the neurons, to create new pathways. Um, other treatments too, I think it's a really good thing, you know, depending on the therapist, what, they, what treatment they use, right? To recondition the brain, recondition the memory, recondition, give them some new thoughts. Right, because like you said, some some of them have never experienced this, so they don't know what it's like. They have no idea, right? So um, I think it's really good to 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 be a therapist as a as well as to guide the person in a way to find a mentor if you're not the mentor, right? Along with the treatment, right? So reconditioning the brain, reconditioning creating new, new neural pathways, right? To show them what is a relationship, what is love, what is good, what is bad. This is what you're doing, right? This is what you're doing. I know you've never experienced this, but this is what you're doing. But if you experience this, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you how, let me, let me tell you about door number two, right? you know, and explaining door number two. Now it's not an easy process. It is a process that you can get this person to go through and, and to be mindful. Mm. That's one of the treatments, the best treatment ever is to get them to be mindful of what they're doing. That's a part of the uh, neural um, uh, feedback, right? Making sure that you understand what pathway you're going down and what pathway you could be going, right? 
and 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 so I think it's it's really it's really good and you know encourage the woman to read or or guy to read certain books go to certain you know seminars uh, check out some videos because they don't know right some people aren't aren't raised with a father or a mother that can actually give them conversation right that can actually teach them so they're just going out blind saying oh i'm just going to get in a relationship but you don't know anything about relationship you don't even you don't know anything about personality traits right you know so um i think yeah i think therapy is 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 and i think if you recognize it in your friend in your cousin to give them advice to get therapy you know because you notice that they're picking the wrong person all the time that they're picking people that's taking advantage of them right you know and i think it's important for us it's our job to give that advice to our our friends cousins you know our best friends you know yeah so being able to consume new information so they're downloading the new information in their brain and their mind and their logic so they get a picture of what that looks like but then also you mentioned twice about neural feedback so in layman's terms for those that are listening or watching me what is uh neural feedback and what can they expect um are they hooked up to a machine for example like what does that mean neural yeah, feedback yeah yeah well well actually i'm so glad you said that yeah we actually put a probe, you know, a couple of probes on, or you've probably seen the little cap that people put on and have some probe, and that's to detect the brain waves, right? And detecting the brain waves, and then the treatment that we give you while uh, detecting the brain waves to see if the brain waves, to see if your stress level goes down or up, right? We know that, oh, if you say this certain thing, it can bring it down. Let's practice that. Let's practice that until, you know, until the point where the bad neurons are no longer being um, paid attention to, right? Because those bad neurons are like, hey, hey, I'm over here, but you're creating new ones now, right? You're, you're practicing different new habits, better habits, right? And because most of us think, you know, we have to concentrate on the bad. If you ignore the bad, neurons they're gonna they're gonna they're just gonna die they eventually will die because when we don't ignore it we're doing what we're, nur we're nurturing those neurons we're feeding the neurons right and that's part of it i mean i can go for a long time for it you know but that's part of it but there's other treatment you know there's meditation there's creative visualization right having the patient to visualize oh what a good relationship is, but you have to feed that to them, right? You have to give them that information as to what you should be looking for, or at least, at least what, I mean, I don't want to say, you know, your actual relationship goals, but just a common relationship goal, right? You know, most women would like a guy that does this, you know, and then let that person create their own, right? So, and, and that's just simply asking too, how would you like to be treated? You know, if you really ask that person, how would you like to be treated, you know? Um, and, and allow them to express how they really would like to be treated because they really didn't realize, they didn't really realize that until you give them that opportunity to express it, right? When they disclose it, and they're like, wow, I didn't really realize that's what I really wanted. 
right? So let's concentrate on that because that's not what you're looking for. You haven't been out there looking for that, right? But this is what you really want, but you've been accepting everything else, right? So it, it, it really depends. I mean, it's, it's so many different treatments that you could use. So then when we're looking at healthy love and healthy relationships, and as opposed to addictive love, so the highs and lows, <laughs> the push and the pull, um, could you speak to that? Is that not normal, right? Because when people are watching movies and we're listening to music, intoxicating the highs and loves and all consuming and, you know, kind of gives this fantasy love um, that people get um, this ideal love. Can you speak to as far as the highs and lows and what that should feel like um, in healthy romantic love versus addictive love relationships? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to go through things and a vitalized, harmonious, cohesive working relationship versus a bad relationship, right? The highs and the lows, but we're going to have highs and lows, but those highs and lows aren't going to be exaggerated as they will when you're in a bad relationship, right? You know, so we have to be more mindful and aware as to what network we're in. And I haven't had the network means, you know, in the brain, we have these different, you know, networks, just like, you know, what cable network do you use, right? Right? So what network you're in, in the brain and realizing uh, when you're in a, in a good relationship, a vitalized relationship, you know, and you're mindful of where you're going. Cause this is also part of biofeedback, being mindful of knowing that you're going in the wrong network, right? And being mindful that you're always in the good network. Now, again, Sometimes we are in, we're in a good network and then we're in a bad network, but, the, but it's not that exaggerated in a bad relationship because a good relationship, it's about what? Communication, right? Or it's about, okay, let's take some little space for a minute and then come back together and then say, I'm sorry, right? Let's talk about it and let's have a talk, right? You know, And that's good because you know that you love each other enough that you're going to come back together. We're going to talk about it and we're going to, we're going to apologize. Right. And we're going to kiss and you know, how do you say, don't go to bed, man. Right. <laughs> right. So those are things that traditions and customs that we know is good for us versus you get the hell out of here. I don't want to, you know, throwing things at each other, going off on each other. You know that this is a toxic relationship right? You know that this is not good for you, right? And again, even though it's a toxic relationship, we are still in it. Why? Because maybe we're addicted. It goes back to the physical. It goes back to biology that, um, and, you know, part of something that we talked about years ago, uh, borderline personality disorder, you know, I hate you, don't leave me, right? Because you make me feel the things that you make me feel, right? And I'm addicted to that. You know, even though you treat me bad, but I'm, a, I'm addicted to how you make me feel biologically because I'm so addicted to that because once we do the do, right? Oh my God, you know, I'm in this altered state of consciousness. I'm high, right? Yes, yes. Right? So yeah. uh, it sounds like you are uh, breaking some songs down to us and these are what the songs are made of. So um, <laughs> we are gonna take a quick break and we're gonna be back with none other than Dr. Rael Sims who is helping us understand addictive love so that you can have healthy love relationships in your future. So we'll be right back. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regret it? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it, anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Welcome back with our uh, guest who is helping us understand healthy love from addictive love, Dr. Sims. You know, in the brain of, this is always a a hot topic. It's always a hot topic um, in my practice, but in the brain of a narcissist, well, male or female, let's go that route. Why is it when you reject them <laughs> mm-hmm. after they repetitively um, uh, were part of narcissistic abuse in the relationship? So let's say the, the female or the male, whoever um, would, we would classify as the codependent or the, the victim in this situation, that they repetitively have experienced narcissistic abuse. And then they finally decided, you know what, I've had enough. And then their cutoff game was strong, so to speak. Why is it that the narcissistic person becomes obsessive or even stalkerish and, and but acting innocent and entitled wanting that person back? And we'll, in even some cases that I'll see in therapies, they'll use the love bombing techniques to try to get them back and make all the promises of, of change. What are some of your thoughts around that for those that are listening that can relate to that type of dynamic? How dare you leave me, me, the things who I am, the person I am, the things I do for you. And um, it's, it's this devastating 
feeling that I am the king. I am the king. How could you leave the king? So that part of um, breaking up the tribe, so to speak, and leaving the tribe, this narcissistic person is so arrogant right now to the point where they're thinking about, you know, it's all about me. And how can you, how, what did you, what did, what did you even get the power to even think about leaving the king, the power person? So that, so now what happens is they go into, you know, the fight or flight, right? They freak out because us, I was going to say us, not a narcissist, but us <laughs> um, scientists have noticed that the narcissists depend on certain things from that person. And when that person is leaving, you no longer will have it. They depend on, I mean, sometimes, you know, the narcissist may not even have a job, right? And 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 so if if she says I'm out of here, I'm leaving. You know, now he's he's stressing. This 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 is when the anxiety kicks in, right? Because not only are you gonna leave me, and then they give you this. How could you leave me knowing I don't have a place to go, knowing my situation, right? So this is so you could sympathize for the narcissist because this is the this is another trick that the narcissist pull you in right it's like i don't have a job i don't have a place to go so if you put me out what am i going to do but in his mind is saying how dare you get to the point where you really care about yourself because it's about caring about me not about you that's just one. That's just one reason why. <laughs> <laughs> well, the feedback is coming in and they want to hear more from you about that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and part of I, I think what happens in those situations um, is what you're saying. So the narcissist actually becomes the victim. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And want you to feel sorry for them. Right. And, and it happens. It's the, it's the biggest trick. Narcissists have that. They have it uh, perfected. You know, uh, that's something that they're carrying with them, uh, like a trick in the bag. And it's like, okay, now I can pull it out. Right. And, you know, sometimes too, sometimes you notice that the narcissist is only here for therapy because he needs more time. He needs more time to find somebody else to manipulate or to, you know, to be able to move into their place, into their spot, right? So I'll go to therapy, but you could tell that this person isn't really into it. You could tell that this person is a narcissist. You could tell that the person is just killing time. So they're using us. They're using us to manipulate her into thinking, or, or him to, into thinking, that they care, right? By coming to therapy, see, I care. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna go to therapy with you. Yeah, that's so, that's because you know that person has reached the point where they was like, this is it. I can't take it anymore. This is it. And, and what, 
sometimes our narcissist will actually be the person who recommends that we go to therapy. It's the narcissist who's doing it. Look, I, I understand. I think we should, we should go to therapy. <laughs> so, uh, so basically you're saying that uh, the narcissist becomes a magician. That's <laughs> playing the tricks. <laughs> Absolutely. Pulling out tricks. <laughs> yes. So what you're also saying is that when she or he, the one who's in the relationship with the narcissist, when they start caring for themselves and realize that it has been tricks and it is the, the love bombing, it's creating the fantasy, it's probably giving you a couple of crumbs to keep you around. And when you fully waken up, then when you are start, you know, I, I like um, in Pia Melanie's books um, about love addiction, it's the back walking away. When you start walking away, then that's when it incites that victim mentality, that abandonment, and you're kind of their supply. So they need to get you back in position, <laughs> so, like get their supply, yes, even yes. though um, with narcissistic abuse relationships, they really, it's really not about you. It's really about them. Is that correct? That's right. Absolutely. It's 100. It's, it's, it's all about them. That's why they want you back. It's not about, I love you. It's not about, I care about you. It's not about, I'm going to be different, you know, but these are the things that I know that I, I need to tell you in order to get you back. Right. You know, but I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not being truthful about it. Right. So when you come back, I'm going to go back to who I am. And I'm going to be that narcissist who you met. And because I'm never going to admit that I'm a narcissist, right? Because they don't admit it. They don't, mm -hmm. you no matter even if you tell them. And matter of fact, don't tell them because you find yourself in a big argument then. I'm very <laughs> you call me a narcissist, right? Right, exactly. I always tell people never argue with the narcissist because you're not going to win. Part of it win. is is because it's their. I mean, in all fairness, it's a part of their blind spot. They believe right. what they believe, and they can't see it because that's part of, um, you know, who how they how they move in life, right? So they try to get us to believe, or you know, get people to believe the lies and the fairy tales, and and then yeah. they get you hooked, especially if you've been neglected, which is why some people can get into these addictive relationships if you come from an emotional neglectful relationship or many times when I'll see when couples get together very young and then one person outgrows the relationship because they realize that they want more and that's when they realize that they were married to their wife or their husband um, was narcissistic and then they're trying to leave those relationships yeah absolutely. but then I'll also see um and it would be really helpful for you to share with us you know like three key ingredients and break down in layman's terms how can someone retrain their brain to break free of that obsessive thinking after a breakup um, or a divorce and, and keep reliving what they could have done differently or even in those narcissistic relationships just because someone realizes they're unhealthy and they leave that relationship? You know, I'll hear more times than not kind of reliving or replaying, I could have done this or I should have done this or things that they could have done differently. Could you speak to, to that so that those that can relate with that obsessive thinking after a breakup, um, they can be on their way to healing? Yeah, what you know, the lowest common denominator. I mean, it's 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 actually something that's very simple, and that's getting rid of things. That's getting rid of, you know, deleting your phone completely of this person, right? Um, completely getting rid of the clothes that you probably still have of his that you've just been holding on. Getting rid of, you know, everything that's in your house. Just do a house scan. You know, how we do a body scan when we first meet somebody, do a house scan, go through the whole house and everything that reminds you of that person, 
get it out your house. Stop going to places that you, the two of you used to go to as well, right? Um, connect yourself with really good friends. Find yourself doing things, right? Don't isolate yourself. Don't social isolate yourself, especially even more now because we're already doing that. So don't do double of it, right? You know, uh, you got to get out. You got to do things. You have to be active, right? Um, being around good friends and doing things with other friends as well. And trying your best. I know some people have kids from the significant other, but try your best not to communicate to that person as much as you can. Try your best because the body isn't totally detoxed from the person yet, right? So it's so important to try to limit as much as possible of being around the person or even talking to the person. And especially if you, if you need to talk to the person over the phone and they need to come pick up your little son or the little daughter, then you know say, okay, well, blow your horn, just blow your horn and I'll send them out, right? Especially when we talk about a narcissist, or just, a normal, or just a normal person anyway. The reason why it's important to not make physical contact with that person or to talk with that person, it's something that we call the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. And what that is, is when we're being touched, like our primary somatosensory cortex, it's what we touch. So when we touch, once somebody touch you, what happens is, is that our sensors in our skin, trying to, trying to make it as layman, layman term as possible. So the sensors in our skin goes into an area up our vagus into our hippocampus where we store our memory. And what happens is it says, hey, that's Janie. And he was like, oh, that's Janie. And so what happens is that the body goes into shock now. And it's like, hey, that's Janie. I'm okay. I, uh, that's Karen. I don't use her name. That's Karen. And, and, and it's saying, hey, you remember Karen? Karen releases our oxytocin in us. And Karen also releases the serotonin, you know. So next thing you know, your body drops your guards, right? And here you are now, you know, all it takes is for him to verbally say something to you. And this is again, why it's also dangerous because all it takes sometimes for us is just to hear his voice. Oh, how you doing baby? Right? And then next thing you know, you're like, ooh, oh. <laughs> and, and the body knows, the body knows that, uh oh, that's John. That's John. And next thing you know, you, you get a little tingle or whatever and all that, right? And you're back into it. You've heard this many times. You, you've, you've, I know you've had people to just talk about the guy, put him down, say everything. And the next thing you know, she's with him the next week. You know, it's like, hey, what happened? It could have been just by a touch, just by the voice. And then the touch is going to lead on and lead on. So so it's all about getting rid of and trying to stay away from that person as long as you can 
and then also while you're going through your therapy treatment, right? Um, so whatever it may be, you know, your grieving treatments or whatever treatment that you're going through, but you got to stay away from the drug because that person is the drug, you know, so you got to get rid of it. Yeah. So basically, if we uh, break it down to the fifth grade language, it's stay away from that heroin garage. (laughs) (laughs) If you are trying to break the addiction of heroin, so to speak, we're using that as the person or the love addiction um, and and block, cut, um, stay away because you have to go through the withdrawal. You got to shake. You got to have the sweats. You got to go through it in order to get to the other side. And we kind of give people a picture of what it looks like. I'm, I'm being, um, you know, yes. exaggerating, but yes. you know, basically that's what I'm hearing you say, because, you know, what I'll hear is, you know, it, it, the also part of the addictive dic- nature that I'll see with women or men is when they're breaking up, they do the Facebook stalking. They'll do the Instagram stalking. I just want to see what they're doing. And then they get triggered and then it kind of pulls them back into that cycle, even though they're not with the person. That's so right. I understand why you have to go cold Turkey and you have to kind of take that season so that you can kill the synapses of the brain, kill those and really go through that withdrawal process. Because I think one of the things that happens, especially with um, addictive love, Dr. Dr. Sims, is that when people have serial monogamous relationship, in order to get over that toxic relationship, they will continue their own toxic ways, like getting up under someone else because they don't wanna go through that withdrawal period. And I always suggest when you go through that withdrawal period, that's also your time to heal as you're suggesting, going through therapy, getting your support system. But the other part of it that I'll see when you talk about don't isolate yourself, sometimes in these addictive, toxic, narcissistic relationships, especially the narcissists, they want you isolated. So they will talk bad about your friends. They'll talk bad about the people that are around you. So then you start thinking crazy stuff and keep these people away from you, especially because you know how they really feel. And then you find yourself alone trying to break this toxic relationship, which makes it harder. Absolutely. Because then then we run into something else, another diagnosis. Then we run into loneliness. And that's an epidemic right now and in places and you know there's people who are who are actually going to the store stealing things in the store just to get arrested just so they could be with their friends in jail that's just how lonely and how loneliness affects us you know we we take it lightly but it's not something to be taken lightly you know loneliness can and can kill too as well right so yeah um, there was something else that you had said that I mentioned, but, but I'll, I'll figure it out again. But yeah, it's, 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 it's something that you just can't do. You can't isolate yourself. I mean, we're going through that right now, uh, being isolated. People are, are experiencing the effect of what that does to us because we're not designed uh, as all the living, breathing creatures on this earth we're not designed to be alone, right? We're not designed to be alone as Meslow's law, the hierarchy, right? We all have a need to belong. And um, when we isolate ourselves, we can, we can, we can find that, that effect, right? You know, like people in, 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 in prison, right? People who in solitary confinement. Um, one of my studies was if the mental illness isn't taken care of, it can cause brain damage to someone who's in solitary confinement, you know, because it can really drive you crazy. So 
with that being said, like what happens, um, as I'll often see this, when someone focuses and they stay attached to an unhealthy partner because they focus on that potential of the change, they focus on that potential of who they could be versus who they currently are in the relationship, right? We train puppies, not people. <laughs> so yes, yes. Um, what do you see um, as far as what happens when they stay attached and stay, stay attached to the fantasy, what I'll call it, of the person versus the reality? How can people yeah. break free from that? Yeah, sometimes that fantasy is, is a, and I'm so glad that you used the word fantasy, that's what's really important, is because that fantasy is something that we saw somewhere else, right? And so if we saw that fantasy, especially like on television, right, or in a movie, right? Uh, I, I, I've had a client that just sent me books, you know, and said the reason why I should read these books is the reason why this person is going to continue trying to train this dog, right? Because I'm going to, this person is going to, to heed to me eventually. And I'm like, and you, you send me the books to read this when I'm trying to tell you, right? That that's just a fantasy and you can see it. I brought it all to light, a reason why you should say, let me move on, right? And it's that fantasy that you are now, what happens is you, you actually become addicted to the fantasy, right? You start to uh, um, trigger the belief system. So our brain and our belief system, again, um, the positive of neurofeedback is to give yourself new beliefs, right? But that could also be the opposite because when you give yourself this belief, you believe it so strongly right? You believe it so strongly that you don't give up on it, even though it's bad for you, right? And it's no different than, you know, a, a drug addict believe that the drugs care so much about him, makes him feel so good. Although he knows he's losing his wife, he's losing his kids, he's lost his house and his car. But in his mind, he created his belief system as that these drugs are making me feel totally awesome or vice versa that, that, that the, the significant, I mean, the, the cheater person, uh, or what do we call it? The, the other person <laughs> that he believes that this person is going to make you feel good forever. Right. And so when the wife leaves and oh, the wife leaves and you lose everything and then she's like, Oh, I'm out too. Cause you have no way. You have no money now, you have no car, you have, I'm out, right, you know. So, um, so it's that fantasy, absolutely, you said that, you know, it's the fantasy. So in that fantasy, they have to keep the triangulation going. It's almost like having a the backup supply. So if things aren't going over here, I go here and I get fed here. So when I come home, it's all that that triangulation stuff. So, you know, with, with that being said, you know, with working with a lot of couples, I see a lot of relationships that are marked again by those highs and lows and where there often are other addictive behaviors that I'll see that are discovered in the process of the wife or the husband knowing there's something going on, like gambling in particular. So what are some um, early signs that someone may have um, hidden addictions that were overlooked? Um, because people hide and all roads lead to destruction without the proper help. So as we start to close um, close down um, today, what are some things that you can, can share about that? Some early signs that someone may have hidden addictions that were overlooked. 
Yeah, when we start putting our priorities last, when we know that certain bills that we are supposed to pay at a certain time is no longer being paid, right? When we aren't thinking about our loved ones, when we know we're supposed to pick up our child from school and we don't, or we're there late, right? You know, or the person is calling the house saying, hey, where's your husband? Or where's your wife? Because your child is still waiting for somebody to come pick them up, right? And you realize that the person may say, oh, you know, I was at the casino, but I forgot. You know, those are early signs because you're at the casino and you forgot to pick up your child. So, you know, it's like, which one weighs the most, right? You're putting more focus on the casino because you should never, ever forget to pick up your child, right? So that's definitely a sign that um, you're starting to be, you know, addicted. Now, in relationships, right? When the person has started treating you different, you notice that um, the person is treating you, disrespecting you, right? Maybe going off on you more often, uh, cursing you out, because you're wondering, where's this coming from, right? Because now the person, I'm doing great over here, right? With the mistress, I'm doing great over here with the mistress. I don't really like you anymore. So now I'm gonna disrespect you, right? So those are signs when you notice, you know, something is different. You notice, um, you know, how late the person is coming in. You notice that the person is in affection with you, isn't as affectionate with you as much, right? You notice maybe the your your sexual in, in encounters are quick. They used to be long. It used to be lovemaking versus pounding and it's over, right? You know, like treated you like a piece of meat, right? And you have to think about it. It's like, wow, that wasn't good. That was just like, you just, just slammed me and said, you know, and then went to sleep, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, so they can disrespect you and curse you out. <laughs> right, but, you know, right. we we um, truly, truly want to thank you for spending um, this time on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey and your expertise. You know, because breaking any love hunger cycle that becomes all consuming is all about shifting one's personal definition of reward. If a lasting relationship with another human being is, is the goal, chances for success improve if the connection feels calm and present, not frantic, abusive, and uncertain as Dr. Sims just shared with us. So describing the high and the low versus the landed sense of belonging and love is the difference between the contracted quality of excitement versus the expanded quality of connection. So our brains may be rigged to respond to um, contraction. It's up to us to learn that not all rewards are the same. So we have to train our brain and choose love. Any last words in our last few seconds, uh, Dr. Riel, that you wanna share with our viewers? Preparing yourself is to prevent repairing yourself. Preparing yourself is to prevent reparenting yourself. You heard it from our expert today. Thank you again for joining us on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Until next time, this is your host, Janie Lacey. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. 
Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Jamie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week.